Uh, we want to welcome everyone to Manufacturing Hub. This is episode 79, uh, and our very special return guest is Bobby Cole from Think PLC. So, uh, Bobby, thank you for being here. Welcome. No, it's, it's great to be back. Um, we're we're kind of back on a couple of norms here. Some things have changed since we've talked last. It's not been too awful long. I, hopefully, Vlad, maybe maybe I, I took you over the edge with subscribers because I'm one of those people that follow what you guys do. So appreciate that. Thank Dave, you, like we talked about last time we were on on the, the podcast, you were in the woods. And as yep. people can't see now, you're back in the woods. I am, yes. I, I don't know if you're trying to marry up the um, geographics with my accent, but mm-hmm. uh, good job nonetheless. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, I will be very honest, Bobby. It was pure circumstance of both times. Uh, neither of the places that we are currently at this time or when we were back in November were necessarily planned more than like 48 hours in advance. It uh, it was more so uh, it just worked out well. At some point, we'll have to have Manufacturing Hub in the woods if we can convince uh, Vlad to, uh, to head somewhere with some trees. Just not in Minnesota. Uh, yeah, not morning. in Minnesota. Yeah. No, so somewhere yeah. a little bit south of Minnesota. Right. That's right. So but we'll, Bobby- we'll accept you, North Carolina. No, Bobby, definitely, definitely appreciate you joining us for a second time. We last talked, it was November 2021. Could you give us a little bit of a synopsis? Well, I guess maybe introduce yourself a little bit. What is it that you do? And then mm-hmm. talk to us what has changed or what has happened since that time. Yeah, uh, Bobby Cole. I am the owner and CEO of Think PLC, which is a... What some consider a systems integration firm, we think it's a lot more than that. Um, kind of interesting on that front uh, with a lot of the changes since. We've onboarded a lot of mechanical capabilities here. We've bought additional equipment last year to improve our business. But what I do um, day in, day out um, amongst get to tinker with really nice controls, uh, products like you do, uh, Vlad, um, I lead and help motivate people here to, um, to, to serve customers. And uh, as you know, it's a big deal with our, um, from our last podcast, it's a big deal with the people in, in my company. So just maintaining relationships and, and growing and helping customers improve is what we do day in, day out. The one thing that's really happened since we spoke last is uh, I had a baby boy three months ago. Congratulations. Yeah. If I look a little tired, it's because we're not sleeping consistently, (laughs) which is good. (laughs) Healthy. We're, 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 we're very happy where we at, where we are at with things there. So, but that's been the big change in my life is um, a newborn uh, at 40 years old. And uh, by the way, I turned 40 next week and um, in running a business and, and doing and staying on top of the technology and just doing what we do in industry. It's, it's pretty demanding as a services uh, consultant. Uh, it's a demanding job. Uh, anyone that's, that's been in systems integration or worked in a plant knows it's, it's very demanding. So I'm just working through that like everybody else that's uh, trying, to, trying to grow as a person and everything else day in, day out. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, to your last uh, couple of points, there's an opportunity maybe to have a conversation around the, I want to say the lifestyle of systems integrators, because I think 
some enjoy maybe the stability of working at a plant so it's a fixed location but a lot of times you do have to travel quite extensively and so if you have life events as you've described it could be a little bit difficult so understanding how to deal with that uh, could be a conversation topic but uh, bobby on that same note uh, i know that you also host live events could you maybe give Mm -hmm. us a quick synopsis of that i know dave mentioned if you have events to send them a message, but since we are live, what does the event entail? Yeah, so um, I do a few different speaking events uh, typically throughout the year. Um, the most famous ones are our Brew Logics. We have mm-hmm. one coming up next Thursday in Johnson City, Tennessee. And nice. this is perfect timing because what we do at a Brew Logics event is, is create a networking environment. When I say networking, that's not Ethernet switches. That's for B2B. That's for people to hang out. And what we do is we piggyback on the craft beer craze. So we typically host one of these at a uh, craft brewery, local brewery. And whatever town we do it at, we find a nice little local spot to do it. And what we do is show off technology at work. So next week, we're showing off using MindSphere, using Mm -hmm. an edge device to gather data and taking all the smoke and mirrors off of it, breaking it down to, I have data on the plant floor and I want it in MindSphere, how does that work? And with like most edge and IOT systems, there's a lot to filter through to understand basic data from a PLC into the cloud and then mm-hmm. what to do with it. Um, Cause there's a lot of options now, right? Mm-hmm. So manufacturers have opened the door and that's a lot of the stresses that, we coach customers with day in, day out. The good thing about it is in the last year, we've got a lot of success stories moving into our plants into MindSphere mm-hmm. and other cloud-like systems and moving from an antiquated IOT system. Yes, I said it, antiquated IOT system <laughs> into the new wave, you know, systems like MindSphere and Node-RED and things like that. And so um, happy to talk about that more. But so the brew logics are a great place to come mm-hmm. find vendors, find employees, find a friend, you know, uh, grab a free beer. And we dive into topics that that are sometimes hidden um, outside of the edge conversation. I'm showing off a hidden motion control feature in an S7 1200. Nobody's heard of that's so cool. And so I get to show that off next week and, um, and, and it's, it's going to be fun. Other than that, uh, actually, quite often, it's, it's interesting in my career as, you know, this automation engineer CEO, I'm moving into speaking events for management teams, sales teams, and, and topics like motivating and, and changing the idea of what, what sales means in our industry mm-hmm. or other businesses. Um, and then finally, just wrap, wrap that up in a bow. Uh, because I'm I'm so close to my hometown, I'm actually going over to my um, local high school slash vocational school. I go to once a year, and I meet with three different groups throughout the school, probably 200 students. Um, I donate uh, equipment to the welding and in CAD program. I donate money every year, and and talk about things with students like what it was like to, you know, worry if you could um, afford to pay for your lunch in school. And now the things I worry about, it's like, did I forget to plug my Tesla in? So that's ah. how we're giving back is talking to students about my journey. And uh, so, yeah, that's happening next week. Oh, that's awesome. That's a really good initiative. 
Bobby, I wanted to ask a question on the Blue Logics events. Uh, yes. I know maybe we spoke about this offline, but is there a digital component to that? Can somebody tune into Blue Logics and see it, you know, play out on LinkedIn, YouTube, or otherwise? That's a good question. We do have video showing what it's like to attend. Uh, we haven't done live streams of these. Um, last year, John Tatellum, I know a good friend of yours, was was working so hard to set up in uh, Detroit at Manufacturing in America, mm -hmm. a live stream Brew Logics event. And Siemens was so willing to help set this up. They just loved the idea of it. And they wanted to get other LinkedIn um, promoters and guys like yourself to all attend and talk at this Brew Logics and give. And uh, we were working hard until COVID started to ramp back up and, and everything mm -hmm. got canceled. So look out, we will have something in the future. It's, it's not nailed down yet, but it is coming and you guys are pushing us towards it. Perfect. And I would say, you know, it, it, all things aside, it's an interesting coincidence, you know, that we're talking edge devices and you're doing that presentation and we had not mm -hmm. orchestrated that at all. Perhaps there's some you did not, I guess, no. other forces at play, but it's... Uh, mm -hmm. It's a really great coincidence. But Bobby, if you could maybe, you know, we've had conversations where we, I want to say like understood, I think the definition of edge devices fairly well. If we want to push that a little bit further and um, I want to refer to a post that was made, you know, on LinkedIn, the question of starting to do controls in platforms that run on like, you know, whether it is like Python, C Sharp or like higher level languages than you'd see mm -hmm. in a typical PLC. And so to me, that raises the question of where do we draw the line of, you know, what are you going to put in your PLC device? Because ultimately, they're, they're also capable of like send, sending the data and there's ways to make those links versus having the need to have that dedicated, you know, edge component slash IoT device, but also not necessarily, you know, where do you draw the line of where what's going to control the process, what's going to control the data flow? And we'll get into those like specific applications, mm -hmm. but I want to get your perspective of how you differentiate or delineate the two. Good question. Um, we would need a whiteboard and probably three <laughs> hours to, to go through that. Um, but let me break it down in my simplistic terms here. Uh, an edge device is computing power locally. Um, so the, the complicated thing to understand is what do you need computing power at the plant floor? So why are we sticking an IPC nearby where we are uh, computing? And that's, that's the question that's coming up now. And mm -hmm. it, where, where you need that computing power, yes, it's to get the data out. But, and that's a whole other topic conversation to dive into is like, we've got these PLCs collecting data, whether you think they're a data collector or not. The data is coming to the PLC. Is it fast enough? Well, maybe that's a conversation to have about mm -hmm. having an edge device. Edge device really plays where you need to do use computing power, like where you add AI, which by the way is, is on the cusp of being something real. Mm -hmm. um, we're about six years away from that, but nonetheless, <laughs> <laughs> um, when, when you actually need computing power to do predictive analytics, Mm -hmm. Things like MindSphere and what you can do with the, um, the ease of connectivity and the node red for the next PLC that the Phoenix has. You mm -hmm. need computing power to do those analytics, whether you do them locally or you do them in the cloud area. And so they're available in both places. 
Um, my familiarity expertise is more with the Siemens. There's a Siemens IoT 2040, 2050, mm-hmm. and a Mind Connect box. Those are the devices that sit locally that help make that connection to the cloud yep. and have some computing power. The Mind Connect box is a Linux-based box that allows that computing power to be local there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the argument is, is you have a PLC, you need to get the data out. And the, the big conversation I have with the folks now is, what do you do with the data? That's always the conversation. Okay, you want the data. Now, what are you going to do with it? And that's my explanation of MindSphere is, you know, it's it's somewhere where you can easily add tools to do something with it. And so backing up in those antiquated IoT devices or these uh, home-cooked uh, OEE systems that that folks charge Three hundred plus thousand dollars a year, you know, years ago to have to mm-hmm. to collect production metrics on the plant floor and give them to you in a report. It required historians, uh, Rockwell's transaction manager, and then all this other. You know, um, you had SciTech had that Ampla product, and it was just so mm-hmm. expensive. To now it's done for you know an edge device for just sub couple hundred dollars in a control cabinet to get it out to the um, at to a cloud-based system like AWS or MindSphere or something like that. So with that, you, you kind of slid into another conversation because I, I don't put Python programming and edge devices together myself. <clears throat> so what I could say on that front is for the last five years, if you asked anybody, they'd say, well, why don't you just use Ignition? That's been the answer for everything. Um, well, the truth of it is, is not everybody wants Ignition, even though it's a great product. Don't get me wrong. Um, Siemens has a product called Openness. Are you familiar? What it allows you to do is compile Python code into TIA portal. So the, the truth of the matter is, and maybe this is, uh, we can go troll some folks based on your comment earlier. Ah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't do that. Um, there, there's some products like Siemens Openness um, and there, there's actually some really cool utilities out there where you can use Python and other languages in Rockwell PLCs as well, if you do some mm-hmm. digging. Openness is actually a product that if you needed support, you could call Johnson City and get free tech support from Siemens. That's why I, I promote it. It's not home-cooked stuff. And um, it, it's kind of a little hidden gem that they have. You know, these kids in engineering school are learning Python, mm-hmm. you know, I learned MATLAB and it was Fortran before that, right? And mm-hmm. so they're, they're coming out of college, even mechanical engineers and, and chemical engineers knowing Python and they're going to want what they know. And so, yeah, the, we can stick a Raspberry Pi with some Python in between the PLC, but it's it's getting where it's not needed. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that there's a, there's a tool that's provided like natively to be able to convert the code. And so what does it ultimately, I guess, just curious if it generates structured text, if it generates function blocks or it could do any like ladder as well. Yeah. It, it generates a block essentially where the Python code will compile and then, then operate inside of the block. Um, okay. So it's like a, it's kind of like a source code language uh, behind the tool. So, and that's um, my first experience with that was probably 2019. So just to give you a feel for how long, this is not something just released. Um, I'm interested to see with the new release um, with V18 coming out um, and the new version of the 1500 processors having dual core processors, what extra functionality we may see. And I'm just, Mm -hmm. 
you know, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not saying it's happening because uh, John Tatello may shoot me if I start talking about a lot of things. <laughs> but um, I, I'm kind of interested where it, it will go. Because right now, if you say, um, hey, Rockwell, I want to connect to this cloud, um, it's going to be like, okay, we're going to have to sit and figure this out. Um, you know, and what's interesting is, is with Siemens is like now people are saying, I want MindSphere, I want cloud data because we're getting to where we understand how to use MindSphere properly. And I have a logo PLC. <laughs> I have a programmable relay and I now want it in MindSphere or I want it in AWS. That's what people are asking for now. Um, so it, it's getting a little interesting on the request side of things. Um, but yeah, going back to that, um, what I saw people do is try to interface a SCADA system like Ignition and do Python and, and play that role in between Vlad. And uh, now mm -hmm. we're seeing opportunities to where these further programming languages uh, in the last two years, Siemens has added, you know, two more programming languages in the 1500 as an example, right? It's, it's going to come. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we're getting closer and closer to the merge. I want to say like a PLC starting to have a component that's going to be like an edge device. And I think Siemens has, and yeah. again, correct me if I'm wrong, but they have a module that plugs in to the chassis, right? Of the 1500. And then you can literally have that as your like, quote unquote, like edge that runs MindSphere. Uh, yeah. So, well, there's a couple different things. Maybe I can clear up for you guys on the hardware side from a Siemens perspective, being a solutions partner where we, we do a lot with the hardware you mentioned. So with the mind connect, you, you can make an S7 connection via the Profinet interface of the PLC. It's, it's actually an S7 connection. You would drag the mind connect or the, the IoT 2040, 2050 mm -hmm. NTIA portal. And that allows you to quickly build your tag database to MindSphere. And then what that MindConnect will do, and again, just a few hundred bucks for these devices and a snap-on mm -hmm. DIN rail, um, they get you that secure connection out to the cloud. So they have the WAN port, you know, they're taking that role of what you would need the mm -hmm. E1 or the Tazi box for that, that secure connection. That's, that's doing it. Mm -hmm. um, we're seeing Siemens work really hard to get a soft PLCs embedded into the IPCs now. And when mm -hmm. I'll be honest with you, when the supply chains hit and they said, we can't get you PLCs. I was like, Hey, can we, can we do a, <laughs> we do a soft PLC, man, let's, we get, let's get creative here. And, um, it's, it's coming and it's coming fast with offerings. And, and, and again, um, the PLC next, um, family member of the edge device that, uh, that Phoenix has, it's, it's mm -hmm. doing the same thing. Right. Yep. And so, but I will tell you that there's a really cool scalance module. It looks just like an S7 1500 and it's an edge box that sits on the S7-1500 DIN rail. And again, okay. it, it can talk to the PLCs, but also if you look at the Siemens edge devices, like the, the, the IoT 2040, 2050, mm -hmm. they, they do Ethernet IP. They do mm -hmm. Modbus, they do OPC UA. So Siemens did a good job with saying, have your compact logics, but let's get it to where you can get the analytics and make it affordable. And, yep. and so... You're going to see the um, offering for MindSphere and MindConnect to be used with other platforms. Absolutely. 
Um, and, and to be honest, they're still figuring out, I think, how to make improvements to portal. And again, V18's on its way to where you don't have to unoptimize a data block to send data to Mindsphere. You know, the silly mm -hmm. antiquated step seven classic like stuff that we had to do. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, the, the Scalance LPE um, is a really neat um, edge device when it comes to like, it's, it's the heavy horsepower, the heavy hitter when you actually need high level at the plant floor um, computing power. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'll be honest with you. Um, I think we're a couple years where people understand how to deploy the edge computing at the plant level. Mm -hmm. All they've heard for the last five years is cloud, cloud, cloud. Everything's going to the yep. cloud. And so um, why, and that's that's where you need coaching and you need mm -hmm. a strong relationship with the manufacturers you partner with. Mm -hmm. Where do you go where you put that edge device computing at the plant floor and where do you stick it um, in the cloud? The other piece of that, and I'll wrap it in a bow for you, is these other low cost mind connect devices. Uh, mm -hmm. They have IO on them. So like the mm -hmm. Mind Connect 2040, 2050, there are mm -hmm. a couple of flavors where you can get, you know, some digital IO and analog and make it a parasitic monitoring system and not have to go in and retrofit somebody's PLC to get the, da the data out. And that comes up quite often. They're like, I'd love to have a dashboard in my plant showing how much parts mm -hmm. I made and how fast I made them, but we don't have a copy of the code in the PLC. The OEM doesn't exist. And so we add a parasitic uh, little layer by adding a mind connect box and just piggybacking yep. on the signals. And I don't need a PLC there anymore where before we did, right? Yep. And, right, uh, and Go ahead, dude. I was going to say, if I may, um, I, I love the, the IoT and the mind connect uh, 2040 boxes. I, I've used those. I think that the 2010s were before that. And I had used those uh, a number of years ago. I think that they're fantastic uh, solutions for a hundred bucks, a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. It's, um, it's if you can get them, I always think of them as like a Siemens branded industrialized uh, raspberry pop. Raspberry right? that's, that's, yeah. That, that's, that's kind of how I always described them. I have used them a bunch, especially in that data collection layer uh, right. as, as Bobby, as Bobby was saying, I think that they, they fit in there really well. If you don't have the, the budget for an S5 or an S7 or if you don't have the, the need to do any sort of control, I think that those are or rock if solid. You, if you have the compact logics and you want to mm -hmm. do an Ethernet IP connection to get data, it's it's a couple hundred dollar box to slap in there yep. to get your network connection. And then the, why you may go with say, you know, a mine connect box versus mm -hmm. 2050 is when you need to you need to send data back down to the plant floor or you mm -hmm. want a remote connection device for support like a, a, what we think of an E1, right? Yep. Um, that, that's exactly why you would choose maybe like the 2040, which by the mm -hmm. way, um, it, uh, they actually have uh, lead times not bad on. So that's... <laughs> that is, you that know is amazing say at, at least this once point. this podcast. That's all we talk about, right? Yep. Supply chain, supply chain, lead time. Um, so yeah, lead time's not too bad on them right now, believe it or not. So Maybe if people hear this podcast, uh, <laughs> they go yeah. start buying them. I'm, I'll be in lead time's going back up. All going your back fault, up, Bobby. baby. Yeah. So, <laughs> Bobby, I want to go back to the to the comment that you made in your uh, response, which is you know the educational piece for the manufacturers, right? And my question is, what do you see them come to you most often when it comes to, I guess, deploying edge devices, right? And you made a couple of comments. Some of them are looking for OE metrics. 
Some of yeah. them just have an idea, well, we're going to deploy AI, machine learning. We're going to send data to the cloud. Are there like maybe like practical examples that you can mention that people genuinely are interested in? Because I think ultimately it comes down to business dollars, right? And we need to justify why we're right. getting this data, like what, what the edge devices are doing. So what are some examples that you're seeing? That was it. That was the conversation in the past. And, and it was like, I can get you the data, but you have to tell me what you want to do with it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, what makes, what, what is, um, and you know, what is the algorithm to, to say you produced a good part or what have you? Um, so on the edge conversation is the drag and drop tools to layer um, predictive analytics and dashboarding. So we do a lot of work with OEMs. So think PLC acts as the controls arm for OEMs that build machinery. Mm -hmm. You know, they, you know, they need extra horsepower or they just can't staff a controls engineer, whatever it may be. They just need their control mm -hmm. panels built. And so that's where it started with me. And it, and I'll go back to um, my relationship with Krispy Kreme Donuts. Um, one of my favorite customers, um, they, they've, uh, They've been a great account for me for a long time. And so years ago, they came to, or we got together and said, you know, it would be fantastic if I could get access to the machine in, you know, Bangladesh or in, you know, Sydney, Australia or Nashville, Tennessee, and I could remote in instead of sending $10,000 worth of parts and hoping we send what we need and then flying a technician to figure out really what's wrong. And so we, we put a device to be able to provide a secure VPN. So now every location I can remote into, get online with TIA portal and I can debug so on and so forth. And so we rolled that out and I went to the management of equipment manufacturing. And I said, you know, I just want to share with you that we did this great thing. You've invested the, the dollars in development to get mm -hmm. us access you know, for, for a little or no more money, I can get what the operator sees out into a cloud area for you to view on your cell phone. We can, we can set up for regional managers to view it. They can grade operators, you know, uh, the, the kind of the world's the oyster, you know, I can give you a remote mm -hmm. HMI essentially. And it was like mind blowing. Um, and so we're going through over the last year, an interesting flip of IOT where people now say we we understand there's there there's good records of how to handle data and how as a manager or production scheduler I should be looking at this data and mm -hmm. you know people are just more intelligent about what the data is I'm not a PLC programmer but I'd really love to get the counts off you know a motor or whatever um and so with that's driving a lot more conversations and requests for people to get it into an area where they can quickly dashboard. Um, mm -hmm. We recently took a local um, plastics recycling manufacturer, their entire plant um, into MindSphere, every machine. So every night they get a report of the production for the day. They get, you know, the total alarms for the day they get an email spit to them and they also can look on their phone um, and identify with the uh, Siemens notifier app. They can, their maintenance guys can be notified on whatever shift you can schedule. There's, there's, 
it's just super simple to the fact. And, and I, what's, what's kind of funny it, when you start diving into some of these edge um, cloud-based utilities like MindSphere, you'll almost get aggravated that why cannot, why, why are HMI software is not as good? It's yep. so gooey and so easy. You're like, this is what HMI should be. We're living 15 years behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the unified is obviously uh, groundbreaking, has a lot of great uh, features. You know, the Panaview Plus is, you know, they're, they're coming around. Yes, you added SVG graphics. Okay, who cares? Um, you, you know, it, it's like these tools have gotten so simple. And what's really neat about some of these um, edge cloud-based um, software manipulators like MindSphere is they also now have gotten smart and said, let's not try to build from scratch how we do trend charts and make reports. They've added in the best of the best external apps. Like, you know, there's all these utilities as, you know, all your IT guys have heard of. Now, they're all the back-end engines and Siemens doesn't have to develop the best trend you've ever seen. You now use an industry standard Gantt chart, industry standard trend tool. It's all built doing the work in the back end. That's brilliant. And that that openness, um, which is kind of funny, they named that utility for Python openness. Um, but that openness to allow outside vendors to um, add value to a software package you know, back in 2017, that was the vision. Nobody could understand it. They're like, you know, how does that work? You know, and, and it's taken, honestly, as a Siemens solutions partner, it's taken until about a year or two ago to really understand how to deploy it and, and go mm-hmm. go communicate to a customer how it makes sense for their business. Yeah, I think, I, I think that's a great answer. One question that I have to maybe like clarify on how these systems are deployed, right? So, I think one of the challenges, and you've alluded to this a little bit, but the fact that, you know, let's say a traditional PLC programmer is not going to necessarily easily translate into something like edge computing and how to program these systems that are slightly, not necessarily more complex, but a little bit different, right? Like in functionality. So it's interesting that you have to be now almost like an expert in in cloud, you have to be an expert in this. IT edge, guy, chemical IT guy, guy exactly. Guy, Network yeah. cybersecurity. There, there's a whole Cyber array of. Is flavor of the day. Yeah. What do I need to be today? You're right. Exactly. And and, and I think, yep. you know, like I have conversations with people who are trying to understand, is this something they need to learn? How transferable are their skills? You know, they, again, I think it boils down to understanding, like, what does a project that involves edge devices look like from like a personnel standpoint, right? So when you were working with Krispy Kreme, that you have to get IT involved, that you have to get, you know, traditional, maybe software programmers on board, like, what does that look like from a personnel standpoint? Yeah, traditional software programmers, not so much. Um, IT always, um, you know, we got to open up a port on a, a switch to, to get that out for sure. You know, that's always a conversation. Um it, it um, more for us because of all the OEM business, we had to come up with, with creative ways to say build a hundred control panels. And then a year from now, that control panel ends up in Moscow, Russia, and it gets flipped online in production. Now we have to identify that what we built a year ago now has to come online and then 
be remotely set up as a location indicator. So we had to set the systems up with serializing, uh, pre-programming the devices, serializing to our uh, job number that becomes the, the serial of the control panel. And then we have to historically keep that. We had to set up some registration processes. So they bring, say, um, Times Square, New York came online during COVID. You know, they filled out a registration email, uh, a form that emails in, they request it, we approve it. And then we actually go in and say, you know, you are <laughs> Times Square, New York. It goes to this person. That's been more to manage, but what they've done, Ewan has done a very good job with this. Um, Mindsphere does an amazing job with this, where you can deploy assets down to the point where you can see a GPS tracker where that MindConnect device is. Ewan has the same thing. You can, I can pull up my M2Web and get a globe, and I get a, um, a mark everywhere I have my Ewans around the world. So, um, you know, that's been more of a challenge than the IT. You know, 10 years ago, we used to have to sneak and, and you know, IT was a bad word. And we would, we would sneak like computers in on them and call them field PGs or, or programming stuff, you know, stuff like that. I, I've, I've really had good, you know, good working relationships over the last few years. And, and there's not as much that, uh, that, uh, that big, you know, blow up that used to have in the conference room, just getting internet dropped to a machine. Um, I will say that we've been involved with quite a few projects with um, where we have to put data in like AWS and then we have to tie it to say like a point of sale system. So, okay, <clears throat> I want to know how many, uh, say, cups of coffee that I sold and I want to know what the effect of the machine was in the back that made the coffee. Um, so we're getting to that level now, right? So let's say that um, as an example, I'm working for a, a popular um, lumber company. I want to know how many boards they sold, you know, up the street at their retail shop. And I want to take the board count of a certain size, certain recipe board in the background and automatically have the edge computer analytically compute to tell me what my, my production run for tomorrow should be. That's where we're Are we at to. that stage yet? Are you seeing we're, such? We're at that stage. We're at oh. that stage. Um, where we're not at with AI is cognitive decision-making. Um, you have, AI is, is great for um, analytics where you can set boundaries. Um, in fact, if you, uh, Lex Freeman just had a great podcast on this. Um, where we're, you know, in the next seven years, AI experts have theorized that we'll be at the cognitive level, which is going to be the next uh, industrial revolution for us, which is 2029. And they're saying that is going to be the difference. Um, and so then we get into like, oh, gosh, are we are we automating taking all the jobs? Well, just like in the turn of the 1900s with the steam engine and everything else that took jobs, right? Computers took jobs. But those people went to work in other jobs. And guess what? I don't know about you guys, but I'm still trying to hire people I can't find, <laughs> right? So um, does automation take jobs? Yes. Um, will making better decisions um, take jobs? Probably if you're doing it right. But if you're, if you're doing it to the full extent you should, you should be having the analytics help you with your production decision-making, supply chain decision-making. 
it's amazing to me. It's, it's actually, it's just mind blowing to me how manufacturers can have no clue on what they really need to buy, how many, what it really costs to make a part. It's mind blowing. In fact, it's riveting to have those conversations. It's, it's difficult with customers if you're new to a customer to get them to be vulnerable enough to just be open with you and just share that. And you're like, okay, yep. I know where your pain points are. Let's not fight with, you know, the BS. Let's get you what you need. Mm-hmm. And then, by the way, there's cost implications to do that. So what can you buy it off? And, mm-hmm. and really these conversations with edge devices and IIoT come to like, man, how do I get the data from that PLC into the cloud? Like, like yep. that's 90% of the work. Yeah. And I guess I've, I've been in such conversations. I'm sure Dave has as well. And I, I to be honest with you, I'm not that surprised anymore. You know, I, I've seen cases <laughs> where, you know, a, a batch of 40,000 pounds was just gone, you know, like flushed down yeah. the drain, so to speak. And oh, yeah. nobody could tell you like why, or, you know, like, like it went was, somewhere. Where'd it go? Yeah. It, it, de- it <laughs> yeah. definitely, it, you know, it was started. The materials were, mm. were consumed, but uh, there was no batch at the, as the morning shift began. Um, but no, it's, I think that's the current reality. You know, that's why I'm a little bit surprised sometimes when people mention AI, because I still think that our infrastructure needs to get there before we can maybe, or, or I guess like there's more low hanging fruit that we need to solve for. And this is, you know, yeah. fortune 500 companies. This is not your mm-hmm. local manufacturer of, uh, some obscure product. So I think there's a lot of opportunity before we get into mm-hmm. like real AI, but I, I'm, yeah. I'm really excited to see uh, what's possible for sure. Oh, Dave? me too. And in the, you know, the, the business decision used to be, you know, especially if, if we can justify retrofits, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're a retrofitting company, you know, I have people looking to me like, I'm telling, like, I have to make the business case for them, which is always interesting to me. Like, <laughs> yes. like no, yes. uh, so, but, but what I'm getting at is, you know, in the, in the early 2000s, it was VFDs. Oh my gosh, let me show you how much money I'll save you by going with VFDs, right? And you could sell it all day long. It was an easy conversation to the point that the marketing material got where you could, you know, you'll save 30% and this guy, you know, what up? And then, then what happened is when safety devices really become integrated, the next conversation we went through, and this is the, over the 23 years of my experience in this industry, um, mm-hmm. hey, let's talk safety. You know, for mm-hmm. every dollar of safety you spend, you know, CFOs got together and said that you'll, you know, make this much money on the back end. And how can you argue money with safety? That was the mm-hmm. next gyration, right? And I think now that uh, edge and cloud computing functions like we're talking about for collecting data, if if these manufacturers can clean up, like let's not try to launch a space shuttle, let's just get the data there and then have the tools, mm-hmm. to put it on there, let's easily explain it to the customer. That's the next sales opportunity that's out here. Mm-hmm. And that's where you'll see it exponentially take off uh, you'll see every PLC just have the edge device built into it. That's coming. Um, and yeah, that's where we're going to be. Dave, thoughts, comments? 
I think Bobby's made made a bunch of great points. I, I actually want to hammer home uh, one of those points. So Bobby, uh, kind of towards the beginning and like his last set of examples were really good in kind of delineating between a more of like an order taking integration company. I don't necessarily want to call it all, all systems integration companies and solution providers, right? So there are lots of groups that are certified as solutions providers from Siemens, from you know, kind of all of the, the major brands. And their goal kind of as Bobby described is to go through and help make sure that you actually can solve the problem that you're having as opposed to, hey, I'm going to build the dashboard you want. And then when we're done building the dashboard you want, hopefully you know what you want next because my job is not to help you kind of figure out what's next. So I think that's a really good point on solution providers that, that I just kind of wanted to, uh, I just wanted to hit. Bobby, I don't know if you have any other thoughts or comments on that. No, I mean, and that's the exciting thing for us is we now have use case studies that we can actually show people like, here's this online. And, yep. and then you can start having a conversation around, you know, yeah, I really like that. I really don't need that. Yep. Um, the opportunity we found with Mindsphere over the last year is we do all the heavy lifting and then we train mm -hmm. usually someone at the facility. Maybe they don't mm -hmm. have that guy. We will be that guy for you on an as needed basis. But there's a, um, because of the ESA use, a lot of times there's opportunity for training so the customer can tweak, add their own tools to it. And it's amazing yep. going back three months later and, and seeing the really neat things that we didn't think about because mm -hmm. they know their business, I hope. And so we You're can right. just show them, you got to give them the pathway. And, and that was the old conversation. If you, if you read Control Design Magazine in 2005, they would tell you that, uh, really nail down the scope on HMI development as a system integrator because here's what happens. They'll, the, you know, you'll, you'll have a fixed budget, you'll design the screens and then I want to move a bunch of buttons on your last minute and now cost you a bunch of money you overrun. Uh, true story. Uh, that was an article in Control Design. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so that is true though. That is 100% true. Yep. And so you, you do have to, you know, and that's got to be a vulnerable conversation with your customer about like, you know, if you're not happy with the way this looks, don't, don't fret, right? Yep. Like we're going to move this around. This was just a vision. Let's, let's, let's do a little heavy lifting. Let's get some tags in there. And then let's sit in a conference room and talk about, and usually within like 15, 20 minutes, we can start nailing down what's uh, what's needed on that front. Absolutely. So I actually have a, a good example of the, those HMI screens, right, Bobby? So um, I, I did some work. Uh, with an organization, we redesigned all of their HMIs, right? So we're deploying HMIs. It's it's a large OEM, right? So they got a bunch of furnaces. Everything is heat treated. Everyone who works in places like that knows there's never enough furnace capacity. So we go, we redesign uh, one of those HMIs. And then you go and you stand and you look at the operator and the operator's pushing the same 10, 11, 15 buttons every time, yeah. right? And then you go talk to them. And, and th th this is the thing that's missing from, I think, lots of, you know, integration work is you go to deploy the thing and you never talk to the folks who are actually working on the machine. So yeah. you go, you, you go, we talk to the person working on the machine and it very quickly became evident that it was just a bad HMI design to begin with. And when we right. redeployed it, it was still a bad HMI design, right? So you yeah. go and in a relatively short time period, go turn it all into one button. We suddenly have one button, it can go start. We added an entire, uh, an entire extra production run 
in that furnace every day. So they went from like 10 to 11. It was like a million dollars of profit every year. Uh, over the course of, I don't know, like five or 10 years, we basically added an extra furnace um, to their facility by spending 10 minutes and talking to someone. So yes, it could have been cost overrun, but uh, what, 125, 200 bucks that they're going to spend in that cost overrun saves them a million bucks or makes them a million dollars every year. Um, you made so, a good so, point. Yes. Um, every good service guy knows that the first thing you do is you go, you talk to the machine operator. They'll tell you what, what happened. They'll, they'll tell you what, they'll tell you good or bad. You know, yep. they want it fixed. You know what I mean? Yep. So, um, and also in down situations, they'll tell you what the maintenance guys did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. So yeah. Um, yep. And it's, it's, you're, you're right. Is, is we do, we do these retrofit jobs and then, you know, so you, you come in and, they're, they're running the machine and we're walking all over the machine and we're, we're writing notes down, taking pictures. They're yep. looking and then they'll ask you, they'll be like, what y'all doing? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to, man, this thing needs it or whatever, you know, this thing's a piece of yep. junk. And <laughs> well, and, and literally, and then you get their feedback on it. And then obviously you're being paid by someone to do it. So you take it all in and then what's, you, you know, you go, you, you rewire the thing. You start mm-hmm. to do your IO checkouts and you're starting up. Who do they bring over there in the train? That same operator, right? Mm-hmm. There's your opportunity. There's yep. your opportunity to add the little features, fix the things that never worked before um, mm-hmm. and, and make it the way they want. And the next retrofit job, they love you. They see you in the break yep. room at their facilities. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's great. I've built great relationships doing that over the years. Absolutely. So I think all of those are good points. I want to get in a little bit more on MindSphere because I think we touched on it the, the first uh, the first episode with Chris. But first, we've got some folks to uh, to thank. So as I mentioned before, we want to thank Siemens uh, for sponsoring the, this Edge Ecosystems theme, as as well as the entirety of the month of September and kind of all of their support. Uh, data is being generated continuously on your shop floor. Are you benefiting from it? Or would you like a faster and easier way of analyzing your data so you can acquire valuable insights? Siemens Industrial Edge will help you get the most out of your production data and optimize your machine and plant availability and performance. It also gives machine builders the opportunity to develop new service strategies and business models. Now, this this may actually sound all very familiar to exactly what Bobby is saying, uh, but believe it or not, we did not change this uh, because we knew what Bobby was going to say. But the Industrial Edge represents an open, ready-to-use edge computing platform consisting of edge devices, edge apps, edge connectivity, and an application and device management infrastructure. It makes it easy to collect and analyze data from industrial resources, enables a faster and more reliable rollout of apps on the shop floor, and provides central management for devices and apps with maximum scalability, and there's no need to intervene in the existing automation systems, which was exactly kind of what Bobby started uh, talking about this with uh, with the IoT 2040, 2050 boxes and uh, and all of that. So you guys can find out more if you go to Siemens and you search uh, for Industrial Edge. We'll also go ahead and drop a link uh, below. And again, we want to thank Siemens uh, for, for sponsoring all of this. And uh, yeah, we want to thank Siemens for, for sponsoring all of this and, and allowing us to have a much more in-depth edge ecosystem conversation than I think any of us thought was possible. But But honestly, Bobby, as I look at it now, I realized the four episodes talking about industrial edge is not even near close enough. This is Bobby needs three hours of the whiteboard and uh, we all need uh, two or three, uh, two or three cups of beer in order to, uh, in order to get through it. Um, 
But no, so, so I want to go and I want to touch on Mindsphere, right? So we've touched on Mindsphere for a couple of times. Uh, for Maybe for anyone who's not uh, not in the Siemens ecosystem, maybe for anyone who's not connecting to those edge applications in the cloud and then deploying some of that infrastructure down, can, can you talk a little bit about what Mindsphere is and, and kind of explain how you guys are deploying it by machine, please? Uh, yes, sir. I mean, essentially, Mindsphere is an IoT platform that is going to allow you to connect your plant floor devices, whether that be PLC data or um, whether it be a PLC edge device, whatever. It becomes a service, IoT service for you to get access to AI analytics um, and your own custom built algorithms if you so want. It becomes a HMI-like dashboard if that's how you so set it up. And things like reporting and other things can happen um, in the uh, accelerator um, system that has been deployed. Um, it's, a, it's a very scalable way to get data somewhere so that it's visible, okay? So it can be deployed remotely, however, without, you know, multiple servers, things of that nature. And I'll just share what it's not. It's not a historian device. Um, we often get people, they get excited that they can get rid of those servers that, that their historian rides on. It's essentially not what it's for. It's, a, it's an ecosystem built to monitor specific applications, if that makes sense. So again, um, I would share with everyone, um, I believe still to this day, that if you Google Mindsphere, start for free, you can use Mindsphere. It's scaled back a little bit. You don't get the really high-end AI features, but it's enough to start collecting data and connect it to your PLC. Um, your Ewan, your AWS system, whatever you want, your Allen Bradley PLC, um, and start using it, which I think is awesome that they open up the platform to get you excited because they they feel strongly enough that um, that if you use it, you're probably going to want to buy the service. The other neat thing for integrators like us and folks like Patty Engineering up in Detroit, um, Sam's a friend of mine. Uh, the owner, Patty Engineer, um, they have built some applications that your company may want to use as some tools to add on to the data you get. So their tool, you, they bring in your data into their tool and you pay as a service for that. That's why I would want to develop it because it's like having an app in the app store somebody pays for. And so it's this whole ecosystem Siemens is created where software companies could start developing tools. And if you use it and it adds value, you'll make money. Oh yeah. I want to so, ask you a clarification. Uh, go ahead, Dave. Go oh, ahead. I was going to go. I just want to kind of add on to what, what Bobby was saying. So I, I agree with what Bobby is saying about Mindsphere. Uh, I think I first ran into it about six years ago, kind of right at the very beginnings of it. And from the very beginning, you know, I love the concept. I love the fact that, you know, Bobby can go develop apps that, you know, maybe a, a particular style of, of company is using and Vlad can also go develop apps. And then he, Vlad could, you know, develop the apps and scale it either internally just within his, you know, customers, or he could also help cross sell it to, to Bobby's customers and kind of anyone else looking to deploy that. I think it's, 
it's kind of the scalability part of the industrial automation or the manufacturing ecosystem that, that's been sorely missing. It's how you get off the, the custom development over and over and over again so that every application doesn't have tech debt. At some point, you pay by month or you pay by year, or you pay by however much you use it. I, I have always liked kind of that concept. I'm always always excited to see people move towards leveraging that. It's it, it, exactly that, that's it. You've got it. Um, the uh, talking about that is like for OEMs, the scalability. Mm-hmm. You can each machine becomes an asset, as an example, yep. and you can copy assets and just reallocate, just point them to the connection you want, and it's all set up. And so you just made a mirror image. So if you had fifty machines in your plant, you can just keep copying assets and just yep. repoint to a different area. And they, they've really they really got that down. They have. Um, there's some other tools in there. The APIs are big. The APIs that are in embedded for you to use are. That's what's going to save you money long term. Um, and then when you go in to start for free and you start tinkering around, you're going to see some some other things as part of that accelerator ecosystem. We we have become a CNC retrofitter over the last few years. And mm-hmm. there's now a Sinomeric One connection where the Sinomeric One becomes this IoT device for you. So if you want to know what's going on in your CNC meal, as an example, you can quickly connect at the MindSphere easily. Um, there's actually uh, some example um, built when you get on the start for free. Um, there's actually example assets already built and you can see data coming mm-hmm. from the cloud. So you can kind of understand how you would build it up and how you would use it. I love the idea of you can have pictures and then graphs over here. You can, you can, they, they truly allowed you to build the dashboard, you know, yep. um, in what you can't do in an H, what people try to do in HMI and you can't. So what do they do? They call ignition up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bobby, I wanted to ask a follow-up question, you know, on what you mentioned about MindSphere. And I think, I guess like edge platforms overall, and maybe this, leads back to the earlier discussion we had about the delineation of like, you know, edge versus PLCs, but are you seeing, are you seeing applications currently running where, you know, data is being passed? So uh, there's an obvious like dashboarding component and reports that are being generated, but Mm -hmm. are you seeing applications where the edge device is used as a brain to then feed some information or maybe some parameters back using either a model or using some, I want to say like more advanced computation in the cloud than sending up back to the edge and then ultimately controlling the machine differently than what it would be, you know, without that uh, edge device. Um, Very good question. And that one's probably the hardest Mm. to answer because uh, I think I've said this before. I think we're a few years where people understand what, um, what performance that gives you. We have done that mm-hmm. for some folks that had LabVIEW deployments locally for testing mm-hmm. equipment. And I think that's where um, I've been able to apply it quickly and, and understand where I can feel confident in recommending a local edge device with computing power um, where we had uh, high-speed uh, LabVIEW systems for testing um you know, QC testing products, offline testing for, for your lab that, that may support the manufacturing side. Um, I, think the, I think the edge devices will remove that, that thought process that we got to have lab view and we've got to have this 
um, this computer on this local QC system. I don't, I don't see at this moment it's coming because, because truly by definition, the PLC is the edge device, right? Because the edge is the floor at the manufacturing level, but it can be confused with edge being the computing power. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's like, that's what creates this big confusion in, in the industry and why you have folks that's been in it for a while, like myself saying, Oh my gosh, we got to get up to speed on something else. And they're just like, they're hearing all these different things, but this is this, but it can be that at the same time, you know, we're back and forth. Um, to answer your question, I'm not seeing it as a value add yet that it will be in three years. Gotcha. The cloud is the value add now. The, mm -hmm. the APIs and the analytical um, side to the cloud tools are. The mm -hmm. edge computing is used in a narrow market at this moment. And again, I'm seeing the replacements of these QC machines, these little lab view computers people put, um, because why the, the chem the chemies that work in the labs, they learn lab view in college, right? Mm -hmm. So they, they, they build these cookie cutter little lab machines and they now what I'm seeing is and saying is the life cycle of those lab view systems are going away and mm -hmm. um, have gotten very expensive the edge device can be that component at this point. And so I guess based on your comment, I guess the biggest opportunity is really educating the, the manufacturers or like slash the end users. Are there any other like pain points or kind of ideas that you would have where, you know, someone who deploys these edge devices, you would say, well, if we had like X, Y, Z, it would be like 10 X better just so we can maybe also think from an OEM or a manufacturer standpoint, what that, looks like um I, I don't know i'm the best to really lay that out for you i don't i don't know if i could do that with confidence um ford cheeseman at siemens is is the guy um amongst yeah. uh, being a good friend of mine and being a scalance guru um he has the tools to explain that easily and is the the best person to consult and is will talk to anybody if they're willing to talk to them about edge devices <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that, that is, I am cutting on him right now. <clears throat> no, I mean, but with that being said, the, you, I, I, I get where you're coming from. And I'll, I'll tell a little story. Three years ago, a, uh, a CEO friend of mine who um, is the CEO of a, um, a large organization, they're about $300 million organization. That's big to me. Um, mm -hmm. And he came to me and said, hey, I got to pick your brain. So we scheduled time to talk. And it was, it was kind of funny. He's like, so my, my board has met and they set their vision for the year. Um, and the vision they've rolled down to me is that we're going to, we're going to be IOT. We're going to be edge, you know, IOT like, like it, like that, that's, that's what, and it was interesting because they're really not that kind of company, but their board said, mm -hmm. that's what's going to make us different. And that's our vision. And we got to roll that down. And he said, Bobby, I, I really don't know what the frig this stuff is. <laughs> and um he's like could could i could i get you to come consult could you speak to us and and educate us on what it is so i did a couple hour little um education event with them and hopefully they left there with more knowledge maybe not more confused um <laughs> so um i gave them enough to where to go to look and figure it out for themselves right because that's the thing is this thing is like your oyster like what are you going to do with it like I said, like mm -hmm. I can get you the data, but what, you know, I can't make a business case for your business. Um, and so that's, 
that's where people have to see it. And in the past, these manufacturers haven't said simple machine data analytics. Look what it's doing. Like simple. I know you can launch a space shuttle. I don't care. Like simple. They're not hearing me, right? Simple, simple, simple. And they they actually, I think, adhered to that over the last year, and they're getting it rolled out on on that front. In my in my opinion, I like that. I so I, I kind of have a, a follow up question, you know, d- down that track, Bobby. Right. So we, we've talked a lot about edge devices. We've talked a lot about like IoT gateways. We've talked about uh, PLCs. Uh, I, I guess we've talked maybe a little bit about IPCs. So I think it's a two-part question is, what are you seeing most people using as edge devices today? And what do you think six to seven to 10 years when we've got the artificial intelligence as we're talking about this potential next revolution, what edge devices do you think they're going to be using then? Uh, really good question. I think these, um, these remote access devices that have mm-hmm. made a foothold the Ewans, the Tazi boxes yep. and all these other, there, there's five more that I'm not mentioning. Sorry if I offend anybody. Um, <laughs> to, um, I think they got the foothold as the edge device at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So the, the, the life cycle of what IPCs have come in the last year is mm-hmm. we're still in a revolution. Um, yep. You know, Siemens has some, some IPCs now that are the size of um you know, they're like 50 by 50 millimeter now, and they're made mm-hmm. for, for local deployment for thin client applications and yep. edge device, you know, um, gathering data local. And, and I like that because, again, for these retrofit applications, you're not always going to be able to go. Mm-hmm. In, in fact, sometimes we just don't want to go mess because you might own that PLC once you touch it. Um, ah, so you yep. want to add that parasitic system remote monitors and displaying systems to now soft PLCs being deployed. You know, Phoenix hasn't had theirs out that long, right? Mm-hmm. Their IPC, they call it their edge device in their yep. ecosystem of their, their next PLC. That's not been out for a long time. These small IPC offerings have been being rolled out over the last two years with Siemens. So my, my thought on it, if you're asking my opinion, it's these VPN tunnel devices mm-hmm. that have been inexpensive for us. To, to remote into um, into machines over the last 10 years, and they snuck in the IoT side of it on people. Yep. That's my opinion. I like okay. it. And do you think that we're going to continue down that path uh, into the future, or do you see some sort of disruptive force coming in and then we change from what we've been using for the last decade? I, I see the IPC and the PLC marrying up. Yep. I, I, I see it all in one. Um, again, whether that's an additional core in the processor that, you know, you have the ET200 SP Pro with Siemens that mm-hmm. has a soft PLC, has your computer, your edge device there. You can do it with Node-RED, right? The next with Node-RED, that graphical GUI mm-hmm. tied together, flow it together, and anybody anybody can kind of do a thing. Um, I, I think we're going to see it together a lot, you know, um, and we're seeing – uh, drive technology and PLC technology coming together with the, the drive controller Siemens has as an example, like these things are going to start just marrying together, right? As they get smaller, mm-hmm. you know, like we might as well just put the edge device and we, we might as well put the computing power in there. Um, mm-hmm. So we're seeing that. And again, you guys uh, get a chance to see what's coming with the new version of the, uh, the 1500 and the, um, 
in the V18 stuff, you'll get you'll get pretty amped up. So very exciting. Yeah, I was going to ask a question on the cybersecurity front, Bobby. So as we deploy these, I want to say metaphorical, you know, bridges between OT and IT. I see the potential of ultimately, I want to say, exposing certain vulnerabilities. Like, what are your thoughts around, you know, as we scale multiple manufacturers and bring them into these, I want to say, like connected infrastructures? Are you seeing potential problems? Do you think it's going to be more secure as we obviously have increased capability on the IT side as well? Like, what are your thoughts around maybe the safety? Because I think that that question comes up a lot, right? Like when you're trying to send data into the cloud, whatever platform that may be, uh, cybersecurity is becoming more and more of a conversational topic. I'll just ignore it. <laughs> I, I'm just, ah! just, just DMZ. John's, John's going to love that. We're getting to that point in the podcast that. where Dave's got to be woke up. He's in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's tough. It, and everybody's got opinion on this, right? So um, in, in uh, what I love about it is... Um, you know, what product does this person sell or like is his opinion about why this is not good or bad. Um, yeah, so cybersecurity, obviously a real thing. Uh, we've got some really annoying stuff that got rolled out in V17 that we got to deal with now. Uh, you got to check more boxes and um, the the heavy lifting has been put on the manufacturers, right? Because, you know, you're hearing right now, you know, Rockwell's so vulnerable and then, you know, Siemens was hacked in Iran in the centrifuge. Um, so those guys have to do the heavy lifting and building confidence in their customers. There's no doubt about it. Um, it's, it's, that's where the conversation has to come. And me as a integrator, retrofitter, reseller, it gets complicated with the IT side of things. That's the, que- I, that's the question I would ask. Like, how safe is this going to be when we roll it out? Can the kid down the street with his Xbox, can he hack my machine, right? Um, so (laughs) seriously, that's what I like to use. Um, so with that being said, uh, know your platform, know your ethernet switches, you know, and that's what I always love, man. People buy this $13,000 control logics and they'll buy a $150 (laughs) Hirschman switch. And so um, yeah, be educated on the products you're using, understand how well they work with themselves and others is all I can recommend on that front vibe. Yeah. And it's a, it's a very difficult topic to be, to be honest with you, as we kind of discussed a little bit earlier as a controls engineer, you now have, I mean, almost have to right? like to know how to configure these devices, how to maintain them. And I think it's slowly creeping up to be more and more uh, on the OT side, but ultimately again, it's, 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 I think it's going to only grow as a conversation and there's going to be not necessarily like more breaches, but I think it's going to be, you're required to have like extra steps, right? Like in your validation process, like maybe when you Mm -hmm. like deploy these systems to each like panel or each facility to Krispy Kreme, as you've mentioned, then there's maybe like a checklist and like, Hey, like what are the guys locally here doing to make sure that Mm -hmm. it's good for the environment yeah because no. we, we deal like every it group is different every location every mm-hmm. um you know every ip is different for those guys you know every internet provider yep. is different um it, yeah it's 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 a lot to keep up with there's no doubt about it um yeah absolutely yep. uh, 
again, yeah, I, I that's what I figured, right? Different IT, different requirements, different like different countries also probably have different mm-hmm. vulnerabilities, different hackers. Oh, yeah. So that's like a whole other discussion. To 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 the point when we're like, okay, great, we're in the cloud. They're not even worried about how they got to the cloud. Um, we <laughs> even had to we we've even had that the conversations about how redundant is the cloud, right? And mm-hmm. obviously, oh, yeah. um, like you guys, um, you, you had um, Yuri on, he could speak to that way, you know, better. I'm sure he's got slot after slot. Of, Amazon can sell that. Like how backed up is the cloud? How vulnerable is their mm-hmm. cloud? Blah, blah, blah. What happens if, you know, Bezos goes to Mars and says, I'm done, you know? I mean, you know, who knows, right? So, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that, like we're things, even having that level of conversation, Vlad, yeah. And, I mean, I like your example of, like, the, the switch, right? Because ultimately, it's the weakest link that's going to break your system, right? So if you have a, mm-hmm. uh, again, if you have a PLC infrastructure, then you have edge devices, then you have your access to, to the cloud, then you have the cloud yeah. infrastructure. So ultimately, whatever is going to be the weakest point of failure is most likely going to be attacked. The difference, excuse me, the difference between 10 years ago and now when um, we would see publications and, and you're a big advocate on this. I mean, I, I see what you, you you put on LinkedIn for sure about, but 10 years ago, the publications that put out content in our um, industry would be like vulnerability, uh, um, but they, you know, um, they would not describe what is the vulnerability. And so now mm-hmm. what's happening is we're actually getting published data on the pieces of your system, the software, and the level of technology down to the port on the switch that is becoming the level of the concern. And that's published in, mm-hmm. if you actually care, that's available for any of us to, to, to get to. Um, so they're talking about specific things. There was just a, um, and, and I'm going to be terrible uh, remembering exactly, but it was out last week. Uh, they were talking about with Rockwell and a couple other chip manufacturers as a specific um, chip switching and other technologies that was already open. It's like brand new. It's already open to vulnerabilities um, and yeah. how it can be hacked. They're describing graphically how the hack can occur. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're three years lagging behind if we already have a graph showing how a chip's getting hacked, right? Yep. And we all know from the automotive industry over the last two years, the chips are, we're, we're, we're behind on the technology on that front. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting what's going to change. Absolutely. I, I would agree with uh, with Bobby's comment and kind of to, to add to that, how many facilities have we been to? Maybe less so with brand new PLCs, but, but certainly five, ten, within the five, last five, 10 years, we've deployed PLCs or other systems and it's still admin and password or, or the, the standard, <laughs> you know, admin passwords in order to log in. And, and as much as I love talking about, you know, chips and the silicon and how hackers can go ahead and easily get into that. I don't know, what would you, 20, 50, 70% of facilities probably have something that you can plug into, uh, use the standard admin password or standard uh, whatever uh, passwords came with the the PLC, and Uh, now you have access to to virtually everything? You you open the panel door and it's sharpied on the door, right? So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to forget otherwise, Bobby. Yeah, that one hour of downtime they had because the guy couldn't remember it um, is a big deal, yeah. Absolutely. You're right. You know, it's, yep. and that's a, that's an opportunity for training and people, yep. people won't invest in training and uh, until they have an issue that costs them money. Yep. 
Absolutely agreed. And uh, Bobby, you made a good point talking about uh, talk, talking about kind of piping things up and down to the cloud and redundancy. We actually had a couple of good conversations the last two weeks talking about how how the prediction and how the move is to more computing at the edge. So either a PLC or an IPC so that they can do some sort of computing before they push up to the cloud and then have it come back for, for both, uh, you know, speed but also bandwidth and cost reasons, right? It costs money to push things up to the cloud. They it costs money to compute pop. things. Exactly. Time on the pop exactly. is going to cost you money. And then you're not wrong at all. And then it's not real time. It's not real time mm -hmm. getting data in the cloud. And you need to decide what's most important to get. 100% uh, yep. part of the conversation in educating what's going on. Absolutely. I, I, I love that. I think this has been a fantastic conversation. I know the last like 10 minutes has been kind of talking about what do you see now, but what do you see in the future? But Bobby, we ask everyone as uh, as we go to wrap up these shows, what, what do they predict the future is going to look like? So you as a solutions provider, you, you're in the thick of it, right? Yeah. What is your prediction of what the future looks like? Um, hopefully greener. I definitely will have a lot. Um, I have more gray hair. Um <laughs> <laughs> every yeah. day um uh, from a technology standpoint uh for sure I i'm seeing more application solving solutions um so mm -hmm. coding is going to get you know the days of writing you know loop code and state machines i think is going to be graphical and the code will will kind of like you you put in the how this thing needs to work draw a timing diagram and it'll spit the code out for you um, kind of um, the the model of what's expected with Cybark, if you're familiar, mm -hmm. Siemens Cybark or um, PacML, like like we teeter on that with PacML, but nobody's taking it to that next level. I think that um, that programmers are going to become less programmers in the future and more um, integrators of systems. Um, I, I do see that. I think edge devices will be PLCs and PLCs will be edge devices. Um, no doubt on that front. Um, and then what we're going to see by 2029 is AI is going to do some very interesting thing, like be able to manipulate a machine to react before, you know, a crash occurs or something like that. So the AI will eventually get rolled out into machine language for operations so the PLC, you don't have to write code to look for a certain event. It'll sense mm -hmm. the event and go ahead and deal with it. Um, that will come as um, changes in AI happen over the next six years. That's exciting. That is exciting. Vlad has a potentially concerned look on his face, but I think that that's, uh, that, that's exciting, uh, Bobby. Uh, what were you going to say, Vlad? Well, I was going to ask, Bobby mentioned an episode of Lex Friedman that uh, he listened to recently. I think we should put that as a note. Do you remember with whom it was? We will. Uh, we'll go ahead and add that I, as a um, show note. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you. I'll, I'll get the, the gentleman's name. Uh, you put him on the spot one too many times, Vlad. Too many uh, but times. Then, no, Bobby. Me out. Um, too many times. Too, too many hard questions uh, for Bobby. But we'll, we'll, we'll grab it from Bobby after the show. Uh, yeah. We'll go ahead and put it as a show note uh, for anyone who is uh, who is interested to, uh, to take a look at that. Uh, 
But the next question, hopefully slightly easier for you, Bobby, is we always love book recommendations, right? And I think yes. you set the bar exceptionally high uh, with the book recommendations. Uh, we were talking a lot about leadership the, the last episode yeah. uh, that, that you were on. And I think that that was amazing. So again, if anyone hasn't heard the first episode with Bobby, absolutely go ahead, go back and listen to it. But but I know you've got at least one good good book recommendation for us. So what do you have for us today? Always. Um, I recently was recommended um, Dan Pink's Drive book. It's about motivation. Uh, what's important to me is, you know, learning what drives me, what are, what are my, um, you know, frustrations, um, mm-hmm. what, are, what are my working geniuses, as they, as they call them. Um, so Dan Pink is the author, and the book is called Drive. And it's, it's about how to find your what really truly motivates you and then how to motivate others, right? So absolutely, um, look that book up. I'm always, I go back to the Eisenhower, um, you know, leadership is, mm-hmm. is getting people to want to do what's right. You know what I mean? And, yep. and, you know, a lot of that comes about lead by example and everything else, but um, there's some really good topics in, in that book about motivation. Absolutely. I, I love that. I, I think that that's good. Bobby always has the best book recommendations. I remember the first the, the first time we asked Bobby for some book recommendations. I don't know what I expected, Bobby, but uh, we, we've had some very interesting book recommendations. Uh, your recommendations. Women are from, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, <laughs> I mean, we've actually had about 20% of our book recommendations have been sci-fi. So t- typically either like industrial or, or sci-fi. And then, mm-hmm. then Bobby brought us onto this whole leadership genre. I think I think all of them are, are absolutely ex- exceptional. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. So the, the next piece is is we want to ask you for some career advice. So if anyone uh, listened to the first one, Bobby has an interesting uh, path that, that he's taken to to grow, scale a company, and then start and create Think PLC, or, uh, which is uh, which is what he's doing um, now. So so uh, w- with your experience, do you have some some interesting career advice for us, Bobby? Oh gosh, that's good. Um, the the big topic that I'm I'm on right now is change management. Mm-hmm. And um, if if someone had set me down as a teenager and talked to me about change management while I was going through the most change ever in the shortest amount of time, it, it probably would have helped at, at some point. And yeah. what that means as a leader, as a, as a good employee, as a, a good husband, as a good father. Um, change management is important to balance. Mm-hmm. And so I'd recommend, you know, um, Ted talks on change management books on change management. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, it, it's, it, it, there's betterhelp.com. You see all these about people with, you know, we, we need a therapist mm-hmm. and all that stuff. A lot of times it's dealing with it and and we don't deal with change management until we're in the change. And yep. um, as a, as a leader, as a owner of a business, as a employee of a business, and mm-hmm. as just a good friend, it's been pivotal over the last couple of months to, to study that and um, understand where I was, where we're going, and because change mm-hmm. is inevitable and how you deal with it is how high performing your business is or how you are as a person. Absolutely. I was going to say, you've mentioned a couple of resources on change management. If not right now, hopefully we can get a couple of links maybe for some, uh, for some books that you're, or you have, uh, have been reading on that. I'll, I'll send you some great resources on Appreciate that. Appreciate it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Bobby, I think you and I should have a, a conversation about that uh, offline because that's it's another two hours. That's another two hours of talking um, that uh, I, I don't imagine anyone uh, has at the moment, or, or maybe they do, but luckily this isn't a six-hour show despite uh, despite what Vlad tries to do for us every week uh, <laughs> with with his really good, very long questions. But, uh, but no, we do have one last question for you, Bobby. Okay. You've been so gracious to come on and speak with us. Uh, who should reach out to you? Know, who do you want to talk to? Are you guys looking to hire? Are you looking for customers? What, what are you guys looking for? How can we help you as a community? Uh, that's a great conversation. Um, all of that. Um, I get... Um, I get requests and people and, and I really like that I hear from others that they were recommended by peers in our community, whether it be LinkedIn and other places mm-hmm. like that. I had a gentleman yesterday reach out and he's trying to build up a, um, a group of young students that build machines and how to do that. And he's looking for grant funding and all that. And he's like, I heard you're the guy that asked, you know, I like to just be a resource. So yeah. there's always neat, you know, cohesion when you talk to someone, another local manufacturer is trying to build up a um, um, uh, processes in their plant. They ask like, hey, you know, you, you might be a good consultant to add value. I, I really love um, helping young people or people mm-hmm. new or young to um, starting businesses. Um, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about that, setting people on the right track there and using my bad decisions to their benefit. So so I definitely like that. We are absolutely hiring. We are in dire need of um, a CAD design guy right now, like everybody else, Uh, e-plan and AutoCAD electrical. They just don't exist. We've got openings on all facets of our, um, of our um, business. We have mm-hmm. something like 450 panels to get built by the end of the year and parts are rolling wow. in. So that's, that's a big thing. Our panel shop <laughs> is flooded and um, we're looking to just keep customers happy and keep answering the phone. Um, so thank you for that. But um, yeah, any, you know, I'm, I'm very responsive on LinkedIn emails. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tend to go squirrel, squirrel and, and go answer people. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I, because I, I can multitask very well. So um, anybody reach out for sure. And we'll have all those uh, all those notes and links as well as Bobby's LinkedIn profile in the show notes in case you're listening to this in audio form. So uh, if you're driving, if you're running, don't, don't stop to look at your phone, especially <laughs> when you're driving. But uh, all of that will be in the reference materials on manufacturinghub.live. Absolutely. No, no. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This this has been an amazing show. It's it's an amazing time every time we talk to Bobby, and it's one of those things that we absolutely need to have him on uh, more often. Uh, maybe we'll just have a show at some point in the near future with Bobby talking about all the hard – we can just all talk about the hard-learned life lessons in this, this industry. For. That, that There's a robot arm, too, sitting on his desk, you know, so potential uh... – Potential conversation around robotics, but yeah, that's a, that's absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, but no, if you guys are are still listening on podcast form or watching on video, please hit that like button. Please subscribe uh, to the show. You guys can rate us five stars on Apple podcasts and overcast and Spotify and all those other places. It helps for a bunch of reasons that we could talk about, but that that's a whole nother show. But, uh, but until next Wednesday, uh, we will see you guys live again. Uh, Thank you all very much. Bye-bye. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you everyone. Thank you, buddy.